Welcome back to Ambitious, the MBIT podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Covell. On this episode, we speak with Ken Midget. Ken serves as the Plumbing Market Director at Interplay Learning, an online and VR training provider for the essential skilled trades. Ken has been in plumbing and heating for over 40 years and has worked in every facet of the industry. Ken has owned two successful plumbing businesses, is a licensed master plumber, and is a two-time national award-winning educator in plumbing and heating CTE classrooms, including the 2019 Plumbing Instructor of the Year from the Plumbing, Heating, Cooling Contractors Association. As a teacher, Ken had a 100% placement rate into the industry for all eligible seniors in his program. He was also noted throughout the CTE industry for his recruitment and retention of non-traditional students into his program, including author and CTE advocate, Plumber Page. Hear more about Ken's success as a teacher, businessman, and CTE champion in this episode. Ken Midget, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. It's been a while. Yes, um, yes, yes. We uh, used to work together and we both went on to new ventures and uh, I'm excited to hear what you're doing. I see you everywhere. You're the king of podcasts. <laughs> well, I'm one a lot. Okay. I'm one a lot. So why don't you tell us about the work you're doing now and, and uh, what it looks like and, and then we'll talk a little bit about your history as well. But what about the work you're doing now? Yeah, uh, I work for Interplay Learning. And we're a company that makes training specifically for the skilled trades. So it's electric, plumbing, HVAC. We have some other variables too, carpentry, solar. But we make very specific training and very special training. It's, it's video-based and simulation-based. So I feel personally above what the company feels that simulation is going to be what you're going to see in education as time progresses and goes forward. Because it's just so engaging. And, you know, the, the other thing about it that's so cool is that, you know, when you do something video-based, you can show the, the uh, what and the why, but you really can't show the how, mm-hmm. right? And that simulation picks up that spot, right? So in a classroom environment, you can actually walk a student right through a simulation, save money on, on your consumables, and increase your shop time because now that person's, when they come out, they're going to be so much more ready so think of like all back in the temple days, the LE1 where you, I show, then you practice. Okay. So this is that the software is showing them. Right. Right. Provided so, they're following the task that, you know, on your performance objective that you want, but it is super cool. It redefines that I do, we do, you do. Yes. Yes. So when it can run, you know, with a headset, you can use a VR headset, which is now the person's completely immersed in the room to running on an iPad, a desktop laptop, Surface Pro, it runs on anything, but anything but a phone, the simulations won't run on a phone yet. And so the work you're doing is working with, with which sectors? We talked about this a little bit before. It breaks through various sectors, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. We work in the EDU, EDU space and the secondary side. Uh, we also work in the post-secondary side of it. Uh, a lot of technical colleges have our content and using the program. Use it effectively. You can really make your classroom run efficiently. Now, I know you don't want to talk about specific clients, but you had said there was somebody you're going to work with in a couple of weeks here, and they're not an education client at all. Right. We have different verticals. So we have multifamily, right? So think of a hotel from an apart- or apartment complex to facilities maintenance. So think of a big building, a hospital, a school mm-hmm. that needs to be maintained. We have that, that vertical. 
And then we have plumbing, HVAC, and electrical. And they all kind of blend together for those first two that I mentioned. So a large client that might have buildings all over the country, they have to be maintained. And many of these large clients have got away from the subcontracting model and start to use things in-house because they have more control over what's happening. So the programs that we have, they're designed to ramp a person from, you know, you could have somebody who was a dishwasher one day and in 60 days they're doing some basic plumbing and basic electric and changing filters on an HVAC system. So it's very, very applicable and it's scalable. That's the big thing. So it can go countrywide. Do you build custom programming or are they programs that are already native to the, to the platform? We, we have some custom where manufacturers employ us to do their content. And it's their specific proprietary information. Right. Um, we have we have some of those out there, and our content can run in like any platform. You, if you, almost almost any LMS, you can run it. In. It you sounds can push like it right in. It sounds like then it allows you to standardize practices across even the country, across an entire division that you know maybe you would have had to spend a lot of time traveling or whatever the case may be yeah. to yeah. to standardize it's, those practices. It's, before. it's very uh, very flexible that way to be used in a lot of different applications. So what's, what division of the company are you with specifically? I am, my title is the plumbing market director. One of my closest friends, Dan Clapper, he is the HVAC market director. So our titles are just a title. We, we really have a lot of autonomy. We're very lateral moving people. We're not necessarily going up and down, but a lot of lateral movement. We support everybody in the company. We're, we're the real technical and contractor voice of the company. Wow. And so how did you get to that spot? What's your, what's your history? <laughs> Crazy story. And you, know, you, never, you never know where life takes you. And you know, I, I always believe that everything in life that you do happens for a reason. And um, you know, I left the highly successful business in 2008. I had an opportunity to teach career and technical ed. I loved kids and I coached a lot of soccer and that kind of built my love for teaching them, you know, and um, applied for the job. I got the job and started working there and I thought this is gonna be great I'm just gonna sit back and tell these kids plumbing stories I quickly learned that that's a little more to education than that and um, went through the process and and took the program it was you know it was floundering a little bit and um, didn't have quite a good number of people into it took it from that to a waiting list and in a short period of time about three and a half four years it started to really grow and part of that reason is I had a huge huge occupational advisory council it was, mm-hmm. 65 members plus. Um, so I had quite the presence in the industry and I, I was gifted with that because I came into the position that way. I already had all those contacts. And when I started to release students and they saw what the student product looked like and acted and behaved like, then it made it, it just made a machine. It was a co-op machine. It was just spitting out apprentice plumbers like crazy. It, it was always very impressive to see so that's how we know each other is through that career technical school where you were the plumbing instructor and you were always the go-to if a teacher had questions about an oac you had to see ken midget if a teacher had questions about business and industry partnerships you got to see ken midget Mm -hmm. and so i I guess i'm curious how did you know to do that how did you build that from your your work you know in plumbing to knowing that that was going to be hugely important and and then Eventually, I mean, I remember your seniors would graduate and you had such strong business partnerships. Not only were they clamoring to hire those students, right? Mm-hmm. But your business and industry partners were making sure that those students were ready to enter the workforce, mm-hmm. giving them tools, giving them experiences, all mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yes, so how yes. did you know to, 
how did you know to do that? And then I guess tactically, how did you improve that process incrementally in, in, in what you did? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I could tell you in my early days in the classroom, I can remember the person, who, the director who was in charge when I got hired was Clyde Hornberger. And he came down one day and we were just talking, you know, about the classroom and how things are going. He says, listen, I'm going to give you some advice. I want you to run this classroom like you're on a business. And I had owned two successful businesses before I became an educator. So that kind of just clicked with me. Mm. It made me think about this strategically from a growth perspective. Like what, what are the things I need to set in place for this to take off? Uh, you know, obviously classroom management is a big deal. And I prided myself on that because I had excellent management skills. Mm-hmm. And I had the industry connections and I knew that if I could make this avatar that would leave my program and go into the industry that I would make something that everybody wanted from this program mm-hmm. plumbing wise plumbing contractors right. so uh, that's kind of what I did and I spent just as much time coaching students and teaching them soft skills as I did on their technical aspect and I know that's not really what you're supposed to do in the classroom but you know at the end of the day I spent a tremendous amount of time grooming them to behave the way business owners want them to behave and the way they want managers want them to interact with them. I had the luxury of having that business experience. I was on that side of the fence, so I know what I would mm-hmm. look for in the perfect person. And the co-op program grew specifically and became highly competitive because of the job shadows. I eventually got to the point where I was coaching them so well that in a five-week period, I would do 120 job shadows with maybe 15 students. They would just be going everywhere for the day. And they knew like there were certain rules, like that phone does not come out unless that person asks you to take your phone out. Mm-hmm. Your responsibility is to engage with the person that you go with. You know, you're supposed to be polite when you go in a customer's house. All these things, all these details on the soft skill side really made them. And it became a competition to get out the door and be on co-op. And the competition got so crazy because these guys and girls that were out there, they would come in, you know, they have new iPhones, new trucks. So, how are you getting all this stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm working, man. I'm working for this plumber, making bank, right? And it was the greatest, greatest thing, greatest gig in the world because mm-hmm. you're not flipping hamburgers. You're not working on the weekends most of the time. You're not working till 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. You're working when you would normally be with me in the classroom. So they, that sold that to all those kids. And it made a gravitational pull from all those underclassmen, all those younger level students who want to aspire to that level. It was very clear that the reason they were clamoring for your students, right, is they knew confidently what they were going to be getting coming out of the classroom. I also think that it was, it's, it's important to note that you didn't just fill any available opening. You made sure that the student was ready. Mm-hmm. You made sure that they were, they conducted themselves professionally, that they yep. were academically on track, that, yep. that this wasn't going to potentially derail them uh, in any other way, that this was only going to be a value add for the mm-hmm. student. I think you knew your students incredibly well. I think that's the first thing. I think you also knew your your business partners incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I, you know, again, we would always refer teachers that could talk to you about how to play students or how to build a co-op program, o- only because you we were very adept at it, and it was it was something that was always impressive to see. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing career and technical education explode across the country, and mm-hmm. I know that you're a huge advocate for career and technical education. Do you think that, do you think that's sustainable growth? First, I guess, why do you think we're seeing such explosion in the growth for career and technical Uh, education? Because there's such a high demand. I mean, that's one of the, 
things for the company that I work for, Interplay Learning. That's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is we're able to ramp a person. So you can hire for attitude and adaptability and coachability and take that person from here to there very quickly. So that's what employers are being forced to do because there's no one out there. And the skilled person that you hire, eh, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes they come in your company with a bunch of attitude and that's not the way I do it. And all these things happen and employers just don't want to deal with it. Hmm. So they'd rather hire for aptitude, coachability, and use a software, use a program, train them up, and then start complimenting them with the on-job training at the same time. So before the job training, on-the-job training, constant wavering back and forth to skill the person up. How do you think that translates to the K-12, or I should say the educational space for current tech ed? I think think the CTE students have the biggest percentage of getting the best employers and the best jobs. And why? Because they are already coming in armed with the knowledge, they're credentialized, all these things that make that this employer has to do with this person they hire for the attitude and Mm -hmm. coachability, this person already has that, right? If they're going through a program that's making them want to be employable, number one, know the technical skills, be responsible. If you're coming out of that program that way, you've got a leg up on the whole entire, everybody else in the world to get a great job with the highest performing companies. It seems like uh, students now are very interested in what their lifestyle is going to be like when they're out of school. And I also get the sense, just like you had said before, when they see these, these contractors, when they see these, these folks um, you know, having the time that they want to themselves or having the new truck or the nice equipment, I think that they see that and they recognize, okay, this pathway can get me there as well. And I think, uh, I think that has some value. One of the things I find unique about Career Tech Ed is that it's unique to education because we allow students to make mistakes and fail in the presence of well-educated mm-hmm. content area experts. Mm-hmm. And we allow them to make mistakes in our presence and then fix them. And I think students nowadays are very hesitant to do things that they're afraid they won't be good at. Mm-hmm. And I think that the career and technical education helps break that down and give them that space. Do you think that the simulation space that you're talking about helps, helps facilitate that as well? I oh mean, my that gosh, yeah. You can make yeah. mistakes and, yeah. and not I mean, feel... Well, almost any modality can handle simulation learning. And for the ones that have, like me, that was ADHD bouncing off the walls in the classroom, put that headset on them, they're going to learn. Mm. They're going to be engaged because they're doing something constantly with their hands, mm. their head, they're kneeling down, they're standing up, they're laying on their side. You know, that's the part that's really cool about the headset side of things. It's the closest we can replicate to the real world, the mm. closest. So if you have to take electrical reading on a condensing unit outside of somebody's home, you're gonna have to lay down on the ground with that amp probe in your hand, with your digital amp probe and do it if you have the headset on. So it's really, if you're gonna pull a toilet, you're going to be bending over to lift that toilet up. You're Interesting. Going to, you're going to put a tankless water heater on the wall. You're going to have to bend over, lift it up, and hang it on the bracket. So all these things are applicable, and that's why it's so engaging. Mm-hmm. And the student doesn't realize it, but we're teaching them the steps to do a task. The how, right? The what, why, foundational knowledge, and then the how. So when they go on a job site, and they're with the skilled person, the journeyman or the skilled tech, it's exponentially more efficient. Right, because they, they don't have to say, what do I do next? They know 70% of the steps of what to do next. Mm. So back to your thing, it was interesting of 
in the classroom with students who are afraid to, they're not afraid to make mistakes because they're in the presence of somebody. You know, I, I can remember being challenged when I was in the classroom and saying that career and technical ed does not have enough critical and creative thinking components. And I would say, really, I, I, I struggle with that because, you know, I had all these projects they had to build and my students would build a project and it had to be to industry standards. It had to look like they were, I used to say to them, when that project's done, we're going to put it in a museum and a million people are going to walk by that. They're going to see your name on it. So don't think because it's behind a wall, it can look junky. It needs to look professional. It can't leak. The measurements have to be right. So I taught very efficient training. So measurements, like how to read a ruler. They knew how to read a ruler because everything was measured. Everything they did. And they knew about aesthetical value. They knew about professionalism, that it's an art. You know, plumbing is an art done by artisans, right? That's what they got taught. And I used to say to them when they would have a leak or something was wrong, they would ask me a question. And we handled it two ways. If you ask me a question, you have to either come with three resolutions, and they can be crazy, or I don't answer. My answer is going to be, that's a great question. Let me know how you make out with the answer. And I would walk away. Now, I had a lot of rapport with my students, Mm -hmm. and I knew where their breaking point was, because you keep saying that over and over again, you're not going to win. With them, they're going to give up. But if you can push them to the edge, now, now I'm saying to that kid, that kid's got to think. He's got to learn how to network with other students and say, what do you think I should do? And that, that's just so immense of what the real world is like, mm-hmm. right? Working in a group environment, learning to work with others. Maybe you had to go ask the person you didn't even like the answer because they had it, right? So all these dynamics that would happen in a classroom that I don't think you can replicate that in, in academic worlds. Mm. I just don't think you can. So anyhow, I would challenge, people would challenge me and I would say, well, if I showed you this project and it leaked, what would you do? What would you wow. do? So is that, not, is that not teaching somebody to think critically and creatively and Absolutely. all the science? Like they would say, well, how come the gauge goes up when it gets warm in here? Why? It's filled with water. What does water do when it gets warm? Right? And then that would relate that to a heating system. They'd understand when you talked about expansion tanks, they would understand mm-hmm. that water has to move when it gets warm. All these, all these dynamic science, it just drags everything into it. That's what I love about career and technical ed. You had one other magical power when, uh, when you were teaching, and that was Nocti. You want to reflect on, on your Nocti magic for us? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we got pushed kind of hard to try to get good representation and good scores for Nocti at LCTI. And uh, I looked at it as a challenge. And the first year I taught there, we, it was bad. And the second year, it got a little better. And the third year, by the fourth year, everybody was at advanced. And I finally found out what their currency was. It was food. <laughs> so <laughs> I would say to them, if every senior gets advanced on the Nocti, I will prepare a feast. I've already got it approved from my supervisor for the morning class and the afternoon class. I will custom make all the food that you want me to make and I will bring it in and serve it to you. And that, that got coined the Nocti feast. So every wow. time a student would, would have a hard time when they would do a practice on, I, I made my own practice walls for them to practice on so they would get the gist of what they're looking at and understanding the measurements, how to measure this, how to measure that how to look for fall on a drain line, how to not have leaks procedurally and sequentially with your assembly process. And every time they would make a mistake, I would walk over and say, Nocti feast. <laughs> and they would get right back in the game. 
wow. know, that's how powerful it was. And, and Nakati was a program thing. It wasn't just a senior thing. You know, those underclassmen, they learned how to take, they learned carpentry because they had to fix those walls when they got banged up. They, had a, they learned how to scrap. They had to take copper out of mm-hmm. walls. They had to take plastic out of walls. Learn how to use power tools, all kinds of things that they were involved with and engaged with as part of the process. They would do all the test setup. So my co-op students, they had to come in and do this, do these practice walls too. So they had a schedule where they came in, their employer knew about it, and they would do their wall. And the next day, an underclassman would test that wall. So look what they're learning. Right. Right. They're learning all this test, how to put a test rig on. Why are we, why are we putting pressure on us? What are we doing? Right. All these dynamics of how it would trickle down to them. And by the time those underclassmen became seniors, they just, they glided right through Nocti. One of my favorite things to put online is I'll have students out in our courtyard and they'll be welding or I'll have my construction carpentry students out working on uh, tiny houses or sheds or something like that. And, and I'll just take a, just a little 360 video and say, this is what high school could look like. Mm-hmm. And those students are engaged because they're doing something that matters, that has value, that's very, very real and they're so engaged in it. And then they develop, well, besides pride in their work, which I think they absolutely develop, they develop confidence in school. So much, so much. I think, you know, for some of our students, they may not have connected with traditional school uh, or the way school has always been. And when they find CTE, they connect and they build that confidence to a degree that is, uh, is really impressive. And you see a student that, might in a traditional K-12 setting be a very itchy student or might, might push back against the system mm-hmm. when they come to CTE, feel seen and can really grow and work hard, study hard and find these, these high paid jobs. Last thing I'll mention is you are, you're the real deal CTE. Everything about you is CTE. You've got plumbing in your background, dental in your family <laughs> and a very successful culinary experience in your family as well so uh you eat sleep breathe uh literally eat uh sleep and breathe (laughs) cte and uh and it's really impressive and then it's it's been a pleasure to talk with you and it's been obviously fabulous to know you and to be colleagues thank you you. so much for having me i'm blessed to be able to sit here and just chat with you it's great we'll do it again sometime yes thank you ken appreciate it ambitious is a student produced project of middle bucks institute of technology To find out more about MBIT, visit us at www.mbit.org.